Welcome to Teach, Think, Treat. This is a new podcast channel by the Royal Children's Hospital Education Hub. This podcast is for healthcare professionals and students about teaching and learning in a busy clinical setting. Whilst our setting is a tertiary paediatric hospital, our experiences and challenges are shared by many professionals and students in other clinical environments. We kick it off with a four-part series on clinical education aimed at healthcare students, clinical educators, and anyone who supervises students on clinical placement. Hello, my name's Steve Lacey, and I'm the Allied Health Education Fellow in the RCH Education Hub. I also work as a tutor radiographer in the Medical Imaging Department of the Royal Children's Hospital. So are you a healthcare student about to embark on your first clinical placement, or maybe you've been on clinical placement before and you're about to start your next one? Or perhaps you might even be a healthcare professional and you work in a hospital and you remember your own clinical placement experiences. So this is the first of a four-part series on clinical education and clinical placement for students. The aim of the series is to give students an idea about what clinical placement's all about and how students can best prepare for clinical placement, but also how clinical sites can best prepare to have students with them on clinical placement. Now, I'm just going to give a bit of a small disclaimer to start with. The series is aimed at any healthcare student going on clinical placement at any hospital, but we're aware that our podcast is being produced through the RCH Education Hub, and so we do expect the series to heavily feature paediatric content. But many of the concepts, though, that we're going to be discussing are relevant to any clinical placement, including this first one. So today we're speaking with three students who have uh, been on a few clinical placements in their time. So our first one's Gabrielle Heyman. So Gabrielle is a medical student and she's just about to finish a short stint here at RCH before heading over to St. Vincent's for the remainder of the year. So welcome, Gabrielle. Thanks, Steve. We also have with us Alice Sylvester. Alice has just completed her nursing degree and has spent some time on placement at RCH and she's about to embark on graduate nursing here at RCH as well. Uh, Welcome, Alice. Thanks, Steve. Uh, and our final guest has a huge task as she's representing one of over 20 allied health disciplines. So Amber Cardwell is a medical imaging student in her final year of study and recently began her clinical placement at RCH. Welcome, Amber. Thanks, Steve. No pressure. All right, let's just get straight to the point to start with. So you guys have all been on clinical placement before, and I'm sure you've all had very positive and negative experiences along the way. I want to know what experiences you wish you knew about before starting the clinical placement. So Gabrielle, can we just start with you? Yeah. So I think um, something I wish I knew is that patients are real people with complex lives and health problems. Um, Preclinical learning often teaches straightforward textbook cases, which is really how patients actually present in real life. When you start clinical placement and see real patients, it can actually feel quite overwhelming. Um, But I would say to students not to be disheartened by that. Keep seeing as many patients as you can, and you'll find that you actually start to build confidence in making sense of complex patient histories. It can be a bit daunting, but it's actually a very important skill to learn. Mm -hmm. Something else I wish I knew before starting clinical placement was a little bit about the ins and outs of the clinical world. Uh, For example, it's pretty standard for most senior member of the clinical team to offer to buy the team coffees after a ward round. Sounds Um, nice. Yeah. It actually took me an embarrassingly long time to figure that out (laughs) and start saying yes. I came to realise that it's okay uh, to enjoy the opportunity to bond with your team and feel part of it. Um, and, you know, I and every other student will pass the favour on when it's our turn. That's good. And, and I mean, I guess being on clinical placement isn't just about learning the clinical work. It's also learning about the hospital environment as a whole and you as a member of that team. For the clinical educator, I think that's going to be an important part to know too because it, it's it's just if it's just a thing 
that always happens in the hospital when the student starts. And sometimes you might just need to spell it out to them because they might not actually realize. So that's some really good points. Um, Alice, what about you? Yeah, so I think what was really important for me was going on clinical placement originally, I wish I had accepted that we were not expected to know everything as I'd often put a lot of pressure on myself to be prepared for anything and everything that I could possibly experience or that I could um, see or and observe on placement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really, really common. Students are, are often overwhelmed when they first start clinical placement because they feel that they need to take everything in all at once. So how did you prevent yourself from feeling this way? Yeah, so I think I had to really change my mindset going into clinical placement. I think learning on the job, asking heaps of questions, um, getting to observe and perform clinical procedures is far more effective and long-lasting um, than trying to retain information from textbooks and um, lecture styles. Um, I also wish I kind of knew early on to be more proactive um, and honest with my preceptors and um, whatever nurse I was allocated for the day. And if there was a certain skill I wanted to practice, um, to let them know at the start of the shift and so that that way... Um, they could help me try and find opportunities to perform that or they could educate me and go through that skill with me if we weren't able to perform it that day. Um, so I think it's about being really comfortable with advocating for your own learning and skill development. And whilst it might always be possible during that shift or even during your placement, you'll be able to learn from others' experiences and take away some really great tips um, if the opportunities don't present themselves. Yeah, that, that is actually a really, really good point because your supervisors do need to know what, what it is that you actually want to learn because then they can direct their teaching to better suit that. Yeah, exactly right. And outside of this, I, I wish I understood how um, placements are a massive learning curve and you're absorbing so much information and can be really exhausting. You know, you're doing full-time hours as well. So it's important to recognise that and be kind to yourself during this time. My hot tip is meal prep will be your best friend as well. Make a schedule, let your family and friends know that you're on placement so they understand your lack of availability um, and check in with yourself and make sure that you're being, um, you're looking after yourself during the process as well. Mm, absolutely. And Amber, what do you wish that you were aware of before coming on clinical placement? Well, um, this may sound stupid, but it's definitely okay to make mistakes. Uh, I gave myself a really hard time when I didn't perform at my best, like getting the x-ray exposures wrong or not getting my patient positioning perfect. Like Gabrielle was saying, you only learn from a textbook, uh, where, whereas when you come on placement and there is a wide range of patient presentation and you have to work outside the box a bit, which the textbook actually doesn't teach you. Honestly, practice makes perfect and you learn so many tips and tricks from the supervisors and you eventually have your own tricks, uh, which you find you can use in almost all cases. Yeah, as an educator, I often hear students say, wow, I learned more in three weeks of clinical placement than I did at a whole year of university. Yeah, definitely. Um, another thing which isn't spoken about much is not all staff will be keen to help you learn. At the end of the day, they are just trying to do their job. And the last thing they want is to be looking after a student when it's such a busy day and especially when there's limited staff. Mm. So don't be disheartened about this. Instead, try to be proactive and as helpful as possible and try not to get in their way. Like, for example, I was recently in ultrasound and they were extremely busy. So I tried to help as much as I could such as cleaning the room after every patient, answering the phones, or even just keeping the patient distracted during the scan. Yeah, and that's really hard for a student when they're, when they're working in a very, very busy environment. Yeah. Um, because I think for most people, they mean no disrespect and they just want to get on with the work. Um, and, and there's probably changes that can be made on both sides of the fence, like on the, on the worker side and then on the student side as well. So it's a good topic for discussion, and we're actually going to talk about that in one of our later episodes. So, Gabrielle, what does clinical placement actually mean to you as a med student? Yeah, so many things. 
Some of them are more obvious, like getting the chance to consolidate theoretical knowledge from book study, as well as learning and building confidence with clinical skills. Um, but some of the things uh, are less obvious. So um, one includes getting the opportunity to be invited into patients' worlds uh, and to personal and at times sensitive information at a vulnerable moment in their lives. Mm-hmm. One of the other things it means to me is being around junior doctors and seeing what you're working towards professionally, as well as getting lots of really useful advice and tips from people who've been where you are not too long ago. Yeah, that's true. And whether we like it or not, students are actually going to naturally gravitate towards the junior staff as they're the ones who have recently been a student and know what kinds of experiences students are having. Yeah, that's right. Um, Also seeing the variation in in practice in real life and realising that clinical guidelines are just that, guidelines, and evidence-based medicine involves a whole lot more than just executing a list of steps. Mm -hmm. Um, Another really important part is meeting and understanding what the allied health team does and if you're lucky, even getting the chance to shadow members of the team to receive invaluable learning and a real-world look at what each member of the team does day to day. That side of things is often also forgotten, what other team members do and how important their work is. So, Amber, this is really important in an area like medical imaging, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, Placement gives you an insight into the workplace pretty much. So learning the administration side as to how the department is run, such as registering a patient or editing an image referral. It is also important to be able to apply the knowledge you've learned at uni to a clinical setting, but attending numerous different placements gives you the opportunity to see if you could potentially work there in future. I personally have found that I really enjoy working in the public hospitals rather than private clinics, purely based on the variety of interesting cases that arise in public hospitals. Mm-hmm. And everyone's going to be different. So I've come across yeah. students in the past who are much more suited to what we call the private life. Uh, Alice, what about does what about clinical placement for you? What does it mean for you? Yeah, so like Gabrielle and Amber said, clinical placements are an amazing way to connect that theory you've learnt at university with the practical skills and the knowledge of nursing whilst creating meaning and understanding of the clinical presentations and also that reasoning behind our interventions and our care. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also a really great um, way to learn from a variety of nurses and create your own unique style of care that incorporates best practice but also your own personality and attributes to really provide the best care possible. Um, And you also have that opportunity to be introduced to shift work and develop coping strategies um, in a safe and supportive environment. Um, And I also love being able to provide education for families and and patients. And I think it's a really great way to consolidate your knowledge as well. Yeah, we're certainly very lucky to have so many opportunities provided to students on clinical placement uh, and, and that you can take a lot out of it at the same time as well. Gabrielle, tell me about some experiences that you've had when you first arrived at a new clinical placement. So like things like the orientation, what was it like? And you can you can add anything good or anything bad, I don't really mind. Oh, dangerous territory, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> um, historically, when I've started new clinical placements, I've gotten a handover from the previous student on that rotation to find out information like start times, where to meet, what time ward rounds are, typical day structures, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, The best orientation I had was on my GP placement. My GP was really great. He showed me around the practice, introduced me to all the staff, showed me where to find things and how to use the IT system, which was really important as well. Mm -hmm. It was fantastic to feel somewhat at least comfortable in my surroundings before seeing patients for the first time in this new setting. What usually happens though, and something could probably be workshopped a little, is I'll timidly creep around the area where I think the office is, knock on a door, (laughs) stick my head into a meeting that's already underway, and then sit there in the corner feeling like a dog with uh, its tail between its legs, a little embarrassed that I've interrupted the meeting and unsure what I should be doing. Uh, I've seen that face before, the I need something but I don't want to get into trouble face. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think in the best case scenario, a handover has been given from the previous student or if it's the first rotation of the year, the hospital provides the student with the contact information or the name of the junior doctor on the team that they'll be joining so that they can reach the doctor via the hospital switchboard. And the most junior of the, uh, member of the team would offer to meet the student even two minutes before the start of the day so the student doesn't feel lost before the day's already begun. And Gabrielle, how often does that actually happen? Uh, thankfully, uh, an increasing amount. Oh, good. It's getting better. It's getting better. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, Alice, can you share any of the experiences with your first day? Yeah, so similar to Gabrielle, my, my best experience was when an educator took the time after handover to give me the full tour of the ward, introduced me to key staff so I knew who to go to, um, and gave me some information about common patient cohorts. So I had a bit of an idea about what to expect. And I found this really, really helpful. And it also meant that I didn't feel lost from the get-go and that you know, when I was asked to find a certain product or a room, I actually knew where to go. And also just being given a specific name or being greeted near the hospital entrance and taken up to the ward can be really great and can take away some of the anxiety of arriving. Or um, Unfortunately, I had one really uncomfortable experience where I arrived at the ward. I was the first student there and the staff that I introduced myself to had no idea that students were starting that day. And oh. I was freaking out a little bit, but luckily um, my educator was quite, quite near, so it wasn't too bad. God, can you imagine turning up to a clinical placement and no one expecting you there and you're just like, oh, this is a little bit awkward, isn't it? Amber, I know that you've had a few interesting experiences along the way. Yes, interesting indeed. Um, <laughs> thankfully, all my orientations um, have been really good. I luckily had clinical tutors who have introduced me to all radiographers, but also other key staff in other departments. But um, yeah, definitely here at Royal Children's, Steve makes you do a scavenger hunt, which consists of a list of locations you have to take pictures of, and the person with the fastest time that year wins a prize. <laughs> As weird as it sounds, it was actually really fun and helped me a lot to know my way around the entire hospital. Plus, it was also very embarrassing having visitors and patients watch me run around the hospital sweating. Well, look, when you refer to Steve, you're actually talking about me because I'm your clinical tutor down in medical imaging and my other hat that I wear. But I always figure when I do this that I that people finding their way around the hospital for themselves, actually, it's actually easier for them to, to do it because, you know, if, it, if they sit with me and, and I'm just saying this is where this is and this is where this is and they seem to miss things like the tea room and stuff like that. So I tend to let them try to find the, their own way. Look, can you tell me about the education provided to you now uh, by the hospital when you're actually on clinical placement? So I, I know this is different between what medical education, nursing education, allied health education provides. Uh, and even in allied health here at RCH, there's a lot of diversity in, in how education is delivered uh, on site. So what kind of you've seen work really well and maybe others that haven't worked so well? Amber, can you give us an insight? Yeah, well, um, here at RCH, Steve delivers weekly tutorial sessions that cover types of pathology and positioning of the respective body region. We also go through positioning techniques in one of the x-ray rooms to consolidate our skills and give us the opportunity to ask you questions. Mm -hmm. But um, other hospitals I've been to like don't do these tutorial sessions apart from one other I've been to, um, which I think is a shame as I've found the sessions that you do to be really beneficial in furthering my skills. And it also gives the students a break from the clinical work and helps develop friendships uh, with the other students and also with the tutor. Yeah, look, I think in, in, in an area like medical imaging, I do know that they do run them in, in a lot of the hospitals, a lot of the tutorials, and I think it's it's kind of luck of the draw as to where you actually get placed and, and yeah. who actually runs them and things like that as well. Um, and, and I think it's also with the tutorials, because it's, it's not just about the learning, it's getting the opportunity to also debrief and reflect a little bit on what you're actually doing in your own work too. 
Um, Alice, what about your clinical education experiences? Yeah, so some of the best education I've received was during twice weekly debrief sessions that I had on one placement. Um, and that's where as a group of students um, with our educator, we were able to talk um, together and ask specific questions and share experiences that we've had with patients to gain that further clarification and, and knowledge as well. Um, and I was also fortunate enough to participate in one of the basic life support trainings with some of the other nurses, um, which was a really great learning opportunity mm -hmm. as well. Um, so within nursing, I've found it is often on our buddy nurse um, or preceptor to provide our education, um, but I would really love to see more involvement from the clinical educators um, when it comes to students, whether that's with these debriefs or taking us away during double staffing to work on um, some of the skills. However, I do understand it can be really busy, especially um, for the educators when new graduate nurses are starting. So often students can kind of be a little bit forgotten or just like with their time poor. So um you know, learning from our buddy nurses is also really, really great. Yeah. And, and it can be tough to juggle everyone's learning needs. And there's also so much to teach. So which skill actually is the one that takes precedence over another? Now, Gabrielle, I've been in this education role for only a month and I've already learned a lot of differences in the way that education is delivered between medical and nursing and allied health. So can you tell us about your experiences? Sure. Uh, I think one of the best things hospitals can do when delivering teaching on clinical placement is to take advantage of the clinical environment. Book study is important and needs to be done, but that should be largely reserved for students' own time outside of placement. Uh, the best education on placement involves patients and can take a variety of forms. Things that I've done that work well include group bedside tutorials, for example, one or two students take a history or perform an exam, and then we leave the bedside and provide feedback. I also found one-on-one -on -one tutorials where you get personalised feedback to be incredibly useful. In the later years of education, having the opportunity to take on the jobs of the most junior members of the team with support, of course, um, like taking notes during ward rounds, learning to make a referral or investigation request, or even write a discharge summary are really invaluable learning opportunities as well. And having the supervision and mentorship of people more senior than yourself in the real world setting is the best way to learn. Mm. Um, something else I found incredibly useful were simulation tutorials, which is something that they do, do here at the Royal Children's Hospital. Um, although these are um, learning experiences that don't involve patients. They can be used to practice skills like basic life support. So the best sessions I've done in simulation involve a clinical vignette and the, we have that pressure that emulates a real-world situation like the three-minute, um, the first three-minute scenarios we practice in our paediatric basic life support. Yeah, I, look, I really like that last point because simulations can be really, really helpful, but I've always been one to advocate for the fact that no simulation is ever going to prepare you for the spontaneity of patient interaction, such as a patient conversation discussion or in some cases even getting peed on. Oh, okay. <laughs> So when it comes to providing education, what are the main challenges for both students and clinical educators, do you think? I think a big challenge in providing education is time limitations. Alongside practice, feedback is the best way students can learn, but opportunities are often limited, particularly in a clinical setting where clinical educators often have dual roles as clinicians and responsibilities of their own to their patients and colleagues. Uh, for me, one-on-one -on -one feedback opportunities are incredibly useful for learning, but practically limited given the number of students generally on placement at any given time. So uh, one way to circumvent that is uh, group tutorial and bedside sessions, which provide a reasonable compromise. And I find students can learn a lot from watching another student perform and receive feedback as well. Yeah, that's really interesting because there's a lot of literature out there that demonstrates the benefits of the group learning and students learning from each other. But in some disciplines, it doesn't often happen. 
Alice, time is an inevitable issue when it comes to providing education, isn't it? Yeah, of course. And especially given the immense workload that educators have. Um, and then you add in COVID restrictions, which have also made things really difficult um, due to limited face-to-face time and orientation restrictions. Um, but hopefully these res- uh, these disruptions will be easing in the coming year. And there it is. That was, We were bound to bring COVID into this conversation at some point, weren't we? <laughs> yes, we definitely were. Um, it can also be really difficult as a nursing student. We often have different um, buddy nurses or nurses that were allocated um, sometimes almost every shift um, and it often takes a bit of time to re- build a rapport with that nurse and to develop that trust so that um, you can kind of do th- certain things within your scope on your own or with them. And that's something that can be built upon during um, subsequent shifts. So having a few nurses that you work with frequently can really help um, with feedback as well as they can see how you've progressed and what areas of care that can be improved on or that you've been working towards to improve as well. However, given the shape, nature of shift work and the large um, staff cohorts, it's not always possible to have that consistency. Mm, it's a really interesting point because there's certainly a benefit to having the same supervisor each time is they're going to get to learn what your strengths and weaknesses are. Um, But in in some disciplines, such as medical imaging, for example, that doesn't often happen a lot. Uh, Now, Amber, COVID really hit the medical imaging student cohort pretty hard, didn't it? Yeah, definitely. I lost a lot of clinical placement time as a result, which also affected how much clinical education I was getting. I also agree with the time limitations and now limited staff due to COVID. The workload has increased now with the addition of PPE and infection prevention measures such as cleaning the equipment, but that is time consuming. Uh, When it is busy, the last thing the staff want to do is spend time teaching a student, which is completely understandable. I try to take advantage of the quiet moments to ask questions that I had throughout the day or ask for feedback from the supervisor. Mm, It's it's very important, I think, to be very self-aware and have the ability to kind of read the room. And you've got to really pick the right time to ask the right questions, but it's not always easy to try to figure that out as well. Um, Gabrielle, what's your ideal way in which education can be provided to you in a clinical context? Mm. I think the ideal way for me would differ depending on my stage of training. In the early years, I'd love the opportunity to observe experienced clinicians like yourself in the clinical setting so I could get an idea of what I'm working towards. And as I progress through my training, I'd love to get lots of opportunities for hands-on practice with feedback, um, both from peers and educators. Another principle that I'd love to see incorporated into my uh, clinical education is exposure. So getting the chance to see as many things as possible. This is something I think can be underappreciated, but it means a lot to me as a student when I can contextualize a reference made by a clinician. So for example, referring to a particular procedure for a Mm, patient. Yeah. And that's a huge advantage of clinical placement, which is getting the opportunity to see such a large diversity, I think. Uh, Alice, what's your ideal? Yeah, so that exposure that Gabrielle referred to is also so important as a nursing student and being able to watch and then practice a procedure within a supportive environment and then being able to receive that feedback is really invaluable. Uh, I think more often than not, especially when experiencing things for the first time um, and with real patients, we can often um, be trying to process too much and have not had the time to think about questions or evaluate what we don't understand. So this opportunity at a later point in the week can be really helpful for all of that. Mm, And what about you, Amber? Yeah, I 100% agree with Gabrielle. Uh, in first year, I really just wanted to observe everyone to understand the workflow and the protocols, and I was really nervous as well. But um, <laughs> whereas now in my final year, I just want to x-ray pretty much every patient. Yeah. But um, exposure is also a great point made before. Due to the COVID restrictions, students weren't allowed to be in ED or ICU for a while. I feel like this has been a huge setback with my skills, but also as well with my confidence. Even if you know the content really, really well, it is so important to have had the, that opportunity to apply it in all different settings. 
Yeah, okay. So let me just sum up the three answers that you just all gave. You all want practice, 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 and you all want feedback, feedback, feedback. Yeah, exactly. Good. All right. Let's we've got to that point. Okay. So now most of the listeners that are listening uh, today will have had students with them before or have been students uh, themselves. And and as a clinical educator myself, I do see this ha- happen almost on a daily basis. And that's the craving for feedback. It's the look on the face that the student gives you that's basically like, oh, please, please give me some feedback. Um, what is exactly that you're after as far as feedback is concerned? And how can we best provide that to you? I think what a student is after when they want feedback differs depending on the student. So some may want no frills, constructive criticism, while other students may want more encouragement and reinforcement of their strengths as well as areas for improvement. Mm -hmm. I think the best way clinical educators can provide feedback is to seek out a student's goals and their style before the clinical encounter or skill to be observed. So, for example, one student may want to be observed uninterrupted with feedback reserved for after a clinical encounter, whereas another student may want guidance during the encounter. I find it works best if I'm asked what it is I'd like to work on or receive feedback on and whether I'd like to receive input during or wait until the end. Okay. And and that comes back to the dialogue between the learner and the supervisor. There there needs to be an agreement about what the learner wants to learn and what the teacher wants to teach, I guess. Yeah, that's right. The other thing I'd say about receiving feedback is that I think as students, we often want as much feedback as we can get, but this isn't always the best approach as it risks losing the forest for the trees. I find the best feedback is when I walk away with a handful of key takeaway points rather than a laundry list of minuscule points that I probably won't remember. Right. So just no overloading, I guess. Okay. Uh, what about you, Alice? What are, what are you after when it comes to feedback? Yeah, so my past experiences, I've received feedback both in written um, and verbal form, but I think it can often be forgotten or limited to just like, oh, you did really well today or you've got great confidence, which um, whilst it's nice to hear, it isn't particularly constructive. Yeah, okay. You may as well not say anything at all, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Um, so as nursing students, we complete a formative or halfway appraisal and then a summative um, appraisal at the end of our placement. And I found that really useful. I think it provides you an opportunity to set goals and incorporate the feedback um, at that halfway point into improving in those focused areas. Some hospitals also require written feedback from um, you, the nurse that you were buddied with at the end of the sh- each shift. Um, and I found that really useful as it made sure that the nurses were aware of that and prepared to provide that feedback rather than feeling put on the spot at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And I also couldn't agree more with Gabrielle. At times I've been really disappointed with receiving what feels like minimalistic feedback. However, um, I think as students we often forget that we're here to work on st- setting a strong foundation of understanding. And so practicing specific skills that are unique to a certain area um, will often be built upon later in our career, um, but they're not crucial during these sort of more junior years. It's just about, um, yeah, setting that strong foundation. Mm. And I also wonder whether the varying levels of feedback given is sometimes based on the difference in the university feedback requirements um, that they kind of stipulate. Uh, Amber, how does your university encourage feedback? Yeah, so for my university requirements, we have to obtain feedback from our tutor and this is done through our online workbook, which only the tutor has access to. So this makes it very difficult when they may not be around all the time to provide accurate feedback. Mm-hmm. So Steve had a great idea to put up a QR code on the whiteboard where the supervisors upload their feedback on our performance throughout the day. This uploaded feedback is sent to Steve in which he can transfer that information into our online workbook. 
But um, unfortunately, the supervisors or myself haven't really remembered to scan it. But it's a great idea. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And, and you know what? When the system works, it, or the system is great when it actually works, you know. But uh, now I'm just going to change my, over my, uh, my hat from host to clinical educator just for a second, just to kind of talk a little bit about feedback, because I actually just want to reiterate the importance of students being, being really proactive when it comes to their own learning. So it's really great to receive feedback and it's also nice for the supervisors to know what it is that you want feedback on. And this is especially relevant when you have a lot of supervisors and only spend a lot of time with each one. Look, we're going to talk a lot about feedback in, in a future episode anyway. Gabrielle, Alison, Amber, look, thank you so much for your time today. There's been so much that we can take away from all this and hope to not only improve the experience of the student in clinical placement, but also for hospitals to better prepare for the journey ahead. So for all those health professionals out there, do you guys have any tips for how hospitals can prepare, help prepare students for clinical placement, Gabrielle? Podcasts like these are great. Um, oh, great. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, providing students with contact information for someone on the team they'll be joining, like I mentioned earlier, so they're not wandering around lost on the first day. Knowing who you're meeting, when and where makes a really big difference to not feeling lost. And I think on that note, a map would be great too. Yeah, I could not agree more. And also having tips for things like locations of parking, shift schedules um, as early as possible as well. So students can plan their work and social commitments around placements. Um, and similarly, a brief in, um, introduction of what the ward specialisations are mm -hmm. um, and common procedures and skills undertaken so that we can help with the preparation for students as well. Yeah, that sounds like very simple things that, hospitals could probably do for the students anyway, I think. Uh, what about you, Amber? Yeah, well, from my experience, hospitals have been really good at providing all the necessary information I need to be prepared for my placement. So this is just usually an email that contains all the information, such as where to meet on the first day, start times, what to wear, etc. It also has a map of the building, which is great, and information about public transport, um, parking options and also nearby cafes. How expensive the parking is at a hospital, maybe. Yeah, so yep. public transport is to go. <laughs> um, I've also had inductions on the first day, which included a tour of the whole hospital and a chance to discuss with the tutors uh, reports and assessments requirements that I have to complete by the end of placement. And it's all outlined for you, I guess, from day one. And I think that an agreement of the expectations that you have as a student, along with the expectations of the supervisors, can also go a long way as well. And sometimes that can even be established even before the clinical placement begins uh, when you have like that email dialogue too. But look, that discussion is going to be uh, for another episode. So what can we expect from the remaining three episodes? Well, given this podcast comes from the RCH Education Hub, we thought that it would be important to feature an episode on how to communicate with children and also their parents and also what the differences are between the adults and the children. So that's going to be our next episode. In the third episode, we're going to speak with some clinical educators from the areas of medicine, nursing and allied health as to what they think is important for the student to bring to clinical placement. And finally, our last episode is going to feature new graduates from each of these disciplines where they have had like recent experiences and maybe what resources they might be able to pass on to students that students might actually feel useful. So guys, thanks very much again for, uh, for the chat today. It was wonderful. Thanks, thanks Steve. Steve. No worries. Thanks for listening to Teach, Think, Treat, part of the Royal Children's Hospital Education Hub podcast series. If you'd like to hear more of our podcasts, check out our other podcast show, Conversation with the Experts, where professionals from the Melbourne Children's Campus provide advice and insights, tips and tricks, and discuss latest research findings on a range of topics.